Hey, listen to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 25. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we continue along our odyssey of the unexpectedly unexpected commanders of Commander with Norin the Wary in the box. Now hit our theme song. Boing. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you, Ryan? No. Now we continue on our arc of the unexpected. How you doing? Very good. What is going down? Lots, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's tons of stuff going down. We've got lots of corrections. We've got a sweet deck to talk about today, and we've yep. got all kinds of things happening in the world of Commander Cookout Podcast. Oh, but before oh. we do? But before we do that, yes, we will go over our social media coordinates, and there are a lot of them. We are CCO Podcast on tappedout.net, where you can find this and any other deck list we talk about in the future. We're also CCO Podcast on Twitter. We are commandercookout at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us, send us lists, send us stuff, send us money, no nudes. And we are also. Nudes. <laughs> if you want to send nudes, I guess you can, but, you know, we don't. Uh... That's what the internet's for. Yeah. What remember else is... last week I said use the internet for its intended purpose? Right. I do remember you saying that. Okay, yes. Uh, also, Commander Cookout on iPod, iTunes? iPod Tunes. iPod yes. Tunes. Uh, Google Play Store, regular Google. All that stuff you want to find us. Also on Podomatic, we are Commander Cookout. That's where you should follow us, leave us feedback, follow us, do all those things, because we want to beat those scrapbooking ladies. Yep. And yep. Commander Society, because if you go there, you can now find episodes of Snow-Covered Lands as well. They're back. Oh, good. And they just did uh, Ravnica. And Ooh. I forgot how many good things were in Ravnica. Everything in Ravnica was good. Yes. Except for... Uh, what was that guild? The red white one there, pretty bad. Boros. Yeah, they terrible. didn't. Yeah, apart from the name, nothing there really sticking around. Maybe Lightning Helix. Uh Lightning Helix is pretty good the, still. Uh, what's the one that you hate? Uh, Sunforger. F Sunforger. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, that's true. I played in Marchesa. Yep. Such a dirt bag. All right, so that's our social media coordinates. Now we got to get into our super sweet cleanup steps, so we can talk about all the other things that we've either messed up or we have to talk about since last week. Yes, corrections, as Brando indicated, the Atraxa trigger. Triggers that end step. I made a mistake once or twice or a hundred times last episode that it triggers on upkeep with Paradox Haze, but it triggers on the end step. So she's even better than... Because she benefits you the turn you play her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put your tokens on your Thalids like we were talking about last week, and then she triggers at the end. So you don't even have to stack your triggers accordingly. Yeah, you don't even have to wait until next turn for her to give you some kind of benefits just right there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As, oh, if, no. as if she wasn't busted enough already. Thanks, Atraxa. Yep. And the other thing, we talked to Don Miner at EDHREC.com, and he said of the Atraxa lists that are 100% the same, that 100% exactly the same decks get deleted out of the database. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So... um all of the lists in there, the 37, 8, 9, 4,000 lists, whatever Atraxa has, each one of them that's cataloged is different. But he also did say that the he was talking about Atraxa when he told me that the pre-cons are, by and large, only six or seven cards different from the actual list that you buy from the store. And over time, they become more and more different. But... For the C-17 and what I assume because he was talking about Atraxa, the C-16 lists, a lot of the ones that are in there, those 4,000 lists, are very close to the original Atraxa list. So get on it, Internet. 
Yeah. Yep. Although, does that mean that there's probably like 9,000 attracts a list? Because so many people just go on EDHREC.com oh. to find the best infect attracts a list and then just build it? I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That means she's probably even more prolific <laughs> than we uh, thought. Yeah, or, so, or if you just search for Atraxa on tappedout.net and you find Turbo Traxa and you hit buy deck and then you just buy the whole deck or copy and paste and then buy your own deck after you build it, yep. there could be two Turbo Traxa lists out there. Ooh, oh. that's pretty neat. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And we'll never know. People could be just blatantly ripping us off and we'll never know. Yep. So a couple other cleanup things. Uh, my wife, Rebecca's cousin, Owen, I think he listens to the cast. Ooh. He lives out in BC, British Columbia, for uh, people that aren't from Canada. No, that's along the uh, West Coast. Yes. yes. It's where all the people smoke weed. <laughs> and there's mountains, and it's very nice. Yeah, very yeah. nice. And lots of wineries and distilleries and breweries. And... and you can swim with dolphins, and I've got a uncle out there that rides around in a cement boat. Or a concrete boat. What? Yeah, it's weird. Floats and everything. Huh. Very strange. Doesn't it sound like a bizarre place to live? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. If you know nothing about British Columbia and Canada, and, and now you've just heard that. Yeah, like a third of it's on fire right now, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, ah, what Canada. a weird place. Okay, so big shout out to, to Owen, if and, he's listening. What's yeah. up? Uh, I'm going to a wedding. He's going to be at it. Neat. Uh, Rebecca's cousin's getting married, yeah. So yeah. Grimlock contest. Oh, yeah, Grimlock contest. <laughs> yeah, we Bro- got a winner. Believe it or not, somebody won. The send me a Grimlock, and I will send you the money for Grimlock contest. Oh, so sick. That's so surprising. So CCO Nation went out, and they, they found one. They hooked me up with a nice lady named Katie Bates on Twitter. She's beautiful. I can't actually say it. It'll be in the we'll show put notes. put it in the show notes, If yeah. you want to check her out on Twitter. She's a writer for Hipsters of the Coast. Yeah, like a she, legit website. Yeah, she's super good. She's got lots of really good stuff. I read a bunch of her articles. She's very good. Um, she's trying to earn some money to go to Eternal Weekend in Pittsburgh in October, like mid, mid, late October. Yep. And so she was selling an extra Grimlock set. And so it's in the mail right now. And I'm super pumped. Yeah. And I thought that you just got the Grimlock card, but you got the Grimlock, the equipment and the Nerf one that nobody wants. And the token that everybody wants. Ah, very cool. Most I'm, excellent. Yes. I'm very excited about that. So thank you very much, so we're Katie. Gonna, we're going to need a new contest. Yes, well, no, we still have the send us an Atraxa list that's oh, so good, yeah. Ryan will actually open his Atraxa and build it. Yes, contest. send us Atraxa list so dot some, contest. Yes, we know now that there's like 12,000 of them out there, so you might as well send them <laughs> in. That number is going to get bigger every time I say it, just so that we yeah. are clear. Yeah, Yeah. well, it grows like every day. Yeah, there's at least 17,000 Atraxa lists out there. Send us a good one. Yeah. yeah. Last thing, Twitter. Me and a couple dudes on Twitter were talking about Plane Chase. Ooh. Now... I had told somebody that they were doing it wrong because they're not playing wormhole plane chase. That's the way to go. Just quick, I want to go into it just for 35 seconds, and then if anybody wants to hear more about it, hit us up. We'll do a piece on it. So imagine you've got every single plane, the promo ones, and some custom ones that we made that are actually really good in reference magic, like actual magic. Um, You pile them all up face down, and you flip them over one, two, three in a triangle around the pile. And you roll a die to find out which one you go to, right, to start the game. And then it acts as regular plane chase. During your turn, you can roll the die, everything normal plane chase. So when you roll the planeswalk symbol, you can go to one of the other two planes that's flipped over. Or you can go down the wormhole. And if you go down the wormhole, you hit three new planes, one of which you go to. 
you can only ever go down the wormhole. You can't come back up to go to previous planes. So when you walk away from a plane, it's gone forever. But it gives you the uh, the added benefit of picking one of three that you go to every time you go. And you can jump back and forth from either two that you're on or the three that you're on. You can jump back and forth between those three until you go down the hole. It's the best way to do it. Trust me, we've played Plane Chase for years. If you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. Correct. The best variants sometimes are great. And it stops you from getting stuck on, say, Nar Isle, where the game just oh, terrible. ends because every turn everybody's taken an exorbitant amount of damage. You're all super unlucky. Nobody hits planes walking. Just everybody dies. Yeah. Yeah, stops that kind of madness. But if you want to go to Nar Isle, totally can. Yeah, absolutely you, you can. can. Do yep. that if you want. It's awesome. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Today, uh, if you if you recall, a couple of shows ago, we made reference to a jack-in-the-box surprise Ooh, he, building he did principle. Air quotes. He did air quotes. Yeah, air quotes are sweet. You couldn't see them, but they're there. And uh, we talked about how my Nora and the Wary deck, which we've also talked about quite a bit on the show. I've referenced it quite a few times. Um is a jack-in-the-box build, where it's a Noran deck with a super sneaky surprise other deck built into it. So you go in, you're fighting what is an actual Noran deck, but then it turns out there's another deck inside of it just in case you have the answers to what I'm doing. Yeah. Now, this is this is a common thing where you want to run, let's say, a five-color deck. Right. But you want the commander to be... A one-color one. We reference the General Tazri Zada build all the time. It's a Zada deck, but you run General Tazri as the commander because you want access to all five colors, all the best cantrips in the game to trigger Zada, right? Yep. So this is kind of like that, except it's mono-red with a mono-red shell inside. Yes. Actually, or it's a mono-red shell with a mono-red center. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I actually looked through this. There's actually four decks built into this yeah. one deck. Um, that was by accident, because I'm still kind of looking for some tunage cards. So this is a deck that I'm actually looking for input on, if anybody has Ooh. some. It started off as like a labor of love, where I wanted to do tribal minotaurs with a coin flip sub-theme. And then I realized that a lot of the coin flip cards are super trash. So I turfed all of those and just put in goblins. So then there was a bunch of Cranko stuff in there. And then I trashed some like minotaur stuff, because lots of them suck. And that's where my super secret uh, sub-theme that we're going to talk about in a minute came Yeah, in. so I guess the point of talking about a jack-in-the-box deck during the Arc of the Unexpected is that you sit down. We, we've said a couple times in the last couple episodes, you sit down. Here's your Nor in the Wary face-up with your 99 face-down. Do people know what they're going to get? I don't know if they do just... Because it's Norin? Yeah, with Norin, he might be a bad example for it. But like, if you were playing, let's just say Perforos, because he's here too. If yeah. you sit next to Perforos. Or Cranko's yep. in the deck too. Yeah, Perforos or Cranko, you kind of, you know what's going on, but then you're not doing that. Yep. You have a couple of cards in there that immediately skew your deck to do something 100% different than it was doing before. Yeah, so um, Norin, a little bit of a bad example, because there is, I think, a couple kind of established builds, and you hit on them. He's a coin flip guy. Yep, yes. And we'll give Noran a read in a second here. And he also has a whole crap ton of chaos cards. And a lot of the questions that I had for you, if, if you're trying to organize your thoughts into a podcast, is <laughs> why coin flip or why chaos or why or why not um, go all in on the jack-in-the-box theme, right? Like that General Tazri example I gave is if it's a Zata deck, you got to go all in on 
finding Zada to get Zada and then play five color Zada. Right. Right. And forget about General Tazri being a thing. Right. Right. If you're going all in on your super secret sub theme, you'd go all in on it and forget about it being a Noran deck. And probably the power level of the deck would go up, but you would lose a lot of the chaos or coin flip or tribal minotaur or whatever it is currently. Right. Correct. Um, so let's give Noran a read. We'll kind of go into the recipe of the deck, and then we'll start kind of dissecting. Um, so Noran the Wary, legendary creature human warrior, which is a stupid creature type for him. Yeah. <laughs> so he is a 2-1-4 red. When a player plays a spell or creature attacks, remove Noran the Wary from the game, return it to play under its owner's control at the end of turn. That's kind of old wording. Basically, oh, you know what? I just said uh, a mistake that I got to correct already. What's that? When I said activate abilities yep. with coin flip cards, doesn't actually no. exile him. It's when you play the coin flip card. Yeah. Yep. So you play a spell or attack, he gets exiled, and then he comes back at the end of turn. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Very so good. Lots of exit and enter the battlefield yep. lots type of shenanigans. ETB shenanigans. Yep. Now, important, he doesn't die. He gets exiled. Correct. So die triggers don't work, but... ETB battlefield or ETB effects do. Yes. While we're talking about Norn, I do want to point out that I have, for my birthday a couple of years ago, Ryan altered mine. Oh. Uh, so if you actually look at Norn the Wary, he's like a dude that looks kind of concerned. He's in a cave. He's got a torch. He's looking around. And on the back side of mine is, instead of the magic back, it's the cave with just Norn's torch there. Because Norn has, he's fucked off because he's afraid. And he's only going to come back at the end of turn when it's safe. Yep. And I love that thing. So I got it in a clear sleeve. So when he goes away, I flip it over. And then when yeah. he comes back, excellent. I flip it back. It's yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's super fun. The list that we're looking at currently, because it is under a little bit of renovation, has 19 creatures. So Not very many. Not very many. A lot of them are goblins, too. Mm. I think I think, I think you got to get away from that a little bit because it looks a lot like mm. your goblin deck. Yes, it does. It's all of the kind... It's not the skeleton of my Cranko list, but it's kind of a goblin beat down thing and again ah. i put that in there just in case there was an answer and because i have all those things mm-hmm. so the goblin sub theme is the one that i'm looking to kind of phase out phase out i'm going to keep cranko because everything that noran does cranko really enables yeah to the max but if i can get rid of all like, the goblin lords and the maybe not the siege gang commander but there are some other um goblins that just can go. I think. I think uh, from a deck building comfort standpoint, you might have went to goblins because that's what you're familiar with. That's yeah. what you know. Okay, I need this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Oh, there's my 19 creatures. Exactly. Not all 19 are goblins, but yeah. you you um, do need the thing with Norn is he can't block. He's not going to protect you, and a lot of the cards that go with him don't do anything to protect you. Whereas you can swarm out a bunch of goblins to yeah. just kind of block. Yeah. For a while. Okay, so 19 creatures, 7 instants, and the instants are, I think, all X spells? No, not all of them. There, But there is a Comet Storm, which is X damage to multi-kicker people. Yep. There is Commune with Lava, which is an X spell, which is kind of like red draw. Yeah, we're going to get into that one in a bit when you see the sub-theme. Yep. Fault Line, which is instant speed earthquake. There's Megaquake, which is X damage to each creature. Mm, I'm starting to see a trend. Price of progress, damage for basic or for no. non-basic lands to very, each player. Very good in EDH, by the by, with people who play greedy land bases oh, yeah. or people who rely too much on their utility lands. Whoa! See, there's some tech against ourselves. Dang it. 
Don't, still, don't play us with that card. Still play your utility lands, kids. Yeah. It's it, they're better than Price of Progress. Yeah, uh, Volcanic Fallout, another Wrath, and Wild Ricochet, a double, a copy and retarget type spell. Target, yeah. Oh man, it's so good. I wish I played it in more decks. Wild Ricochet is a great card. Red, red two. You may choose new targets for instant or sorcery spell. Then copy that spell. You may new choose new targets again. Not there for what. You think that's there for when somebody blue suns themselves or massive draws themselves because I can retarget it to me <laughs> twice. Yes, yes. That's what that's there for. A lot of people are like, oh, what am I going to, what are people, tar- what are people targeting you yeah. with that's going to kill you? Nothing. They're going to target themselves with draw a bunch of cards. And I want that. And red doesn't have that, but I can just steal it from you. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So the instance, they have lots of X damage and wrath spells. Uh, need big mana, yes. right? So, sorceries, 15, and I'm seeing a trend here, too. Hmm. I see Chain Reaction. That's a Wrath. Earthquake. That's a Wrath. Flame Wave. That's a Wrath for one person. Flame Break. That's a Wrath. Hour of Devastation. Wrath. Molten Disaster. Wrath. Rolling Earthquake. Wrath. Shatterstorm. Artifact Wrath. Slagstorm. Wrath. Ruination. Non-basic land Wrath. Whoa. This looks like a pretty stout control deck with, uh, I think I have it written down somewhere, mass removal, 14, including X spells and artifact sweepers. Dang. That's pretty, that's pretty all right. We'll get into some of those individual cards later. We'll read them. We promise we will. Yes, yes. Enchantments, 12. These are, the, these are your Noran Chaos staples. Yeah, this and is where these the are the ones that I, I, I'm polarized about this section because I, I really like some of them and I really hate some of them because I hate Chaos decks. Yes. I hate them. Interesting aside, Asterix, if you will, this is the one and only deck I've ever seen Ryan scoop to just because the Chaos was getting so oh, it, ridiculous. Yeah, it, was, it was getting chaosy, and it was actually just a couple weeks ago. Yep. I scooped after I thought that F.U. Joe was going to make a play mistake and miss his Quisali Pride Mage. He had one mana untapped, and I was going to kill him. And he goes, oh, I guess I die. And then he goes, oh, oh, wait, wait, is that an artifact? Yeah. I go, yeah. He goes, uh, pay one, Quisali Pride Mage. I live? I thought, ah, shit. Okay, I scoop. Let's play the next one. Because playing through chaos sometimes can be tough, especially since at the time, admittedly, I wasn't in the best shape. I was just making the game difficult for everybody. Yep. Um, which happens sometimes, and we can talk about the griefer nature of this later. And you know what? Um, I think chaos, I, I don't usually get griefed or go on tilt because of chaos. It, I kind of look at it like mill. Like, uh, what's the one here I'm looking at? confusion in the ranks it's an enchantment for red red three whenever an artifact creature or enchantment enters the battlefield its controller chooses target permanent another player controls that shares a type with it exchange control of those permanents i play something we trade you play something we trade no now why is that in there it's not just a chaos thing because some of the stuff is chaos it's chaotic it alters the game for everybody confusion in the ranks is if you're playing Nor and the Wary as your commander and you're not playing Confusion in the ranks, I wouldn't suggest you hang yourself with a bedsheet, but I would suggest that you just look at Nor and the Wary and then look at this card and try and figure out why you should be playing them at the same time. Because Nor and the Wary lets you steal every creature on the battlefield forever. Nobody else ever gets a dude that they want. Ever. Because Noran will come back into play every turn under your control and you can swap him for something else 
take that thing, beat wholesale ass with it, make Norin go away. Norin comes back, steal something else, rinse, repeat. That's ad nauseum. That's exactly why he is the chaos commander. Yes. With interactions like this, right? Um, we've also got a little ditty called Grip of Chaos. This is another chaos card. Red, red, four for an enchantment. Whenever a spell or an ability is put onto the stack, reselect its targets at random if it has a single target. Yes. This is just a chaos card. Yep, that's that's straight up chaos. It prevents people from wrecking your enchantments. It prevents people from wrecking up your your Norin engine, which again we're going to get into here in just a second because there's a lot of disruption that can hit it. Red doesn't have a whole ton of recursion for it, so you want to protect it however you can, and that's a really good way. Yep, and one more chaos enchantment I want to read, and bear with me because this one's got a novel on it. It's also one of my favorite cards in all of Magic. Possibility Storm. Okay, red, red, three, enchantment. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it, then exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a card that shares a card type with the card you originally played. That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then he or she puts all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of his or her library in a random order. So basically, it's like spell polymorph. Yes. Right? It's for the su- same type. Exactly. And it also, like, not only is it kind of fun for everybody, I think, it also protects your stuff. If somebody goes, disenchant your impact tremors, you go, wait. Disenchant your possibility storm. Yeah, how about <laughs> instead of that, you do... Ah, swords. That doesn't hit possibility storm. Yep. Too bad. Yep. I, I like Possibility Storm, and it is the kind of chaos card that I feel is very much like milling. You don't mill with it. That's not what I'm saying, but you get a random benefit. Yeah, and, and sometimes it even works in your favor. Like if it's yeah. a Possibility Storm, you could theoretically go bop, worm coil engine. Yep. Bop being Birds of Paradise, yes. a zero one flyer. Yeah, and a 6-6 six, six lifelink death touch for one is pretty good. Yeah. When what you wanted was a... You played a dork into something that cost five, so you obviously don't really need it. Six. Six. So Possibility Storm is good. The other kind of the polar opposite enchantment in, the, uh, in this deck are things like Aggravated Assault. It, uh, it's an enchantment for two. You pay five. You get an extra combat phase. Yep. Now, what's that in there for? We're going to get into that. That's a big, big, big part of my sub-theme. Yep. You're got, you're got, you got Blood Moon non-basics or mountains. Yep. That's awesome. You've got Price of Glory. Whenever a player taps a land during another player's turn, destroy that land. Right? There's another big control card. You've got Pyrohemia, another key piece to the other half of this deck. Yep. And finally, a little ditty that I like called Repercussion, which is Red Red 1. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, Repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller. So sick with all your earthquake effects. And how good is that going to be when Star of Extinction goes in here? Most excellent. Oh, baby. Yeah, 20 damage to each creature, and then 20 damage per creature to that player's face. Yes. Yes. And even better with the other jack-in-the-box commander in here, who is? Neheb. Neheb. The Eternal. The Eternal. So let's give Neheb a little bit of a read here. So Neheb is Zombie Minotaur Warrior. Warrior sub-theme. Ooh. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Four, six, four, red, red, three. Afflict, three. Whenever this creature becomes blocked, defending player loses three life. 
So you're going to take four when he hits you, or you're going to take three when he doesn't hit you. And lose a blocker. Yeah. At the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add red to your mana pool for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. Dang. Yep. So what that means is with cards like Aggravated Assault, post-combat, you get mana from dealing damage with Neheb, and then you can pay that into Aggravated Assault to get another attack step. Which then gives you another post-combat phase, which gives you more More mana. mana. And if you've done damage during the interim, that mana is then, that damage converts into more mana during each subsequent post-attack step. Yep, yep. So, I mean, if you've got somebody with no blockers, you could kill them with Neheb and then start getting 40 mana every turn. You can sink into crazy stuff like... Well, Earthquake, if you've got more life than everybody else. But Comet if, Storm, if you really Comet Storm is the die. big one there because Comet Storm, and it's an instant too, so yep. you can cast it whenever as long as you still have that mana from Neheb. Yep. Uh, red, red, X, multi-kicker one, choose target creature or player, then choose another target creature or player for each time it was kicked. Yep. So really it costs um, red, red, X to deal damage to one person. Yep. Red, red, one, X, to deal two yep. or to, to two people red yep. red x three to deal the three right mm-hmm. and it deals x damage yeah so if if you can if you can go okay one two three mana to target three people target one two mana to target three people because you only have to pay after the first right and then x is 40 while well, everybody's going to take 40 yes yeah it's super good yeah um the earthquake effects or the pyrohemia effects are good just by the by because they're going to deal damage to everybody you got six mana you want to sink into an earthquake that's going to deal four damage to let's say three people post-combat you're going to get 12 mana yep 12 is lots and with an aggravated assault that's an infinite turn so long as you have something to do as long as i mean even if neheb can just kill everybody for you because you're not getting norin triggers you're not getting any of that stuff all you have is infinite turn length infinite mana so you gotta have stuff to do yeah which is why we talked about it earlier we talked about commune with lava which is an instant for what is it red red x yeah red red x remove the top however many cards x cards of your library until end of turn you can play them and there you go you can move your whole library play the whole thing yeah or when you have tons of neheb mana yes you can play well you only have to play one spell you remove everything until you hit Comet Storm, and then you Comet Storm everybody. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's how that works. So you could play this, what what I called a very stout control list, as a combo list, given you have Neheb. Exactly. Now, what we want to avoid is sitting down with Neheb and having people know exactly what we're playing. Exactly. Having them as a jack-in-the-box commander. Jack-in-the-box general sounds way nicer. Yes. You are being unexpected, and that's where... You or that's why you get Neheb in our Ark of the Unexpected. And the thing that I like about this particular build and why I like to use it as an example is it's not like we talked about with General Tazari and Zada. This is a Noran list. It just so happens that a bunch of the cards that go in Noran, like all those red sweepers, are just Noran cards because you don't lose Noran and all of your Noran effects keep happening, but everybody else loses their stuff. Yeah. Um, Neheb just happens to work really well with that. And so you spice in a couple of cards. Uh, Flame Rift, which we can read later, and um, Aggravated Assault really are your two cards that you just put in for Neheb. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they don't really well, work. You know what? Flame Rift's an easy one. Flame Rift's a sorcery for red and one, four damage to each player. Yep. 
Yeah. That's that's so pretty good. So it, if you're exactly like the uh, the earthquake example I just di- I just said is if you yeah. four damage to three other people, you're getting twelve mana off of two mana. Yeah, and one card. Yeah, and you're you're rolling at that point. I guess uh, how deep do you go on? Norin versus Neheb. You you said it was Minotaur Tribal. You said it was Coin Flip. You're phasing out the Coin Flip. You're phasing out the Goblins. Are you phasing in more Neheb type stuff? Or if you're phasing out Goblins, do you phase in things that let you find Neheb? Because he's such a powerful strategy. I don't want to rely too much on Neheb just because he is such a powerful... And if I go too far in on him, I feel like, why don't I just play Neheb? It's just a Neheb deck and everybody knows. Exactly. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to sit down with Norrin either and get, fall into that trap that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where it's, oh, it's Norrin. Or the group hug list. We're like We know that's not a group hug oh, list. Yeah, that's We're right. going to beat you down first because it's not Norrin, it's Neheb. And I'm just being bad because I'm playing a general that sucks when I could just play Neheb. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to go too deep on him because I think that people will leave Norrin alone just because he's not the best. Plus, you know, I got 14 sweepers, so what are you really yep. going to do to me? Yeah, that. Here, so let's <laughs> let's get into that before we start talking about cuts and where to take the deck and 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 how to play it. Um, card draw spells two. I think that could be addressed, but remember, you are playing mono red, which is not the greatest for card drawing. You gain no. your advantage in other ways. Alab, fourteen sweepers. Yes, efficient damage, and um, I do have a. I wanted to talk about this guy just because he's funny. Uh, there's a creature called Heartless Hidetsugi. Uh, if he's where is that guy? Right there. There he is. We'll give him a read real quick. He's a 4-3 for red, red, 3. Tap him. Heartless Hidetsugi deals damage to each player equal to half that player's life total rounded down. Now, that's pretty good in EDH anyway because, you know, let's just say the game's going real slow. That's 20 damage for tapping a guy to each guy. If you've got an Aheb <laughs> yeah, in play... Let's, let's say turn 4, Heartless. Turn 5, Naheb. Tap your Heartless Hidetsugu? Hidetsugu. Hit it Sugu. Yes. Hit it Sugu. You tap him if he was on turn four. You got your Neheb turn five. You tap him deal. Let's just pretend it's turn five. Everybody's still at 40. 40. Let's just pretend that. Yep. And you're playing against three people. That's 60 damage. That's 60 mana. Yeah. That's 60. And where are you going? Comet gonna... Storm. Yeah, exactly. You just <laughs> win. Dead. Everyone's dead. Yeah, you win. That's how that goes. That guy's super good. I like him a lot. Yep. He could also be a general, but D- he's not. This is why um, Neheb is powerful. Cards yes. like this. Um, and when I when I said you've got your 14 Wraths, lots of other colors have Wrath. But Red's Wrath give you this weird advantage in that they're killing all the creatures, but they're also a lot of them are dealing damage directly to the player as a, as a means to give you that extra tip of the hat. Hey, this is what Red does. It's going to help you deal this damage while it's killing creatures. Exactly. Very so good. I like that about Red for sure. Yes. Um, so maybe you get away with the two card draw spells because you're wiping the board of creatures and advancing everybody's life total closer to zero. Exactly. Maybe that's how you get away with yeah. it. And you're going with them in a lot of cases, but, you know, your, yeah, you're, your deck you're is... designed a... to leverage that. You're exactly. the one that deals the damage. Exactly. Them. We're playing right. my game. We're not playing your game. Yeah. So I said, or we talked about Commune with Lava being one of them. The other card draw is Mind Claw Shaman. It's a 2-2 two, two for 5, which sounds terrible on the surface, but when it uh, enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals cards from his or her hand. You may cast an instant or sorcery card from that player's hand without paying its mana cost. Yes. So it's kind of card draw in that you're getting a card for playing a creature. You're paying a premium for that 2-2, of course, but usually you're getting something 
pretty good. In EDH, you can get all... Sometimes you can whiff on it really hard. The last time I played this deck, actually, I was playing in, against four tribal decks. Ooh. So everything was like one drop removal that I could have gotten from the dude. Like, everybody else even showed me their hands afterwards. It's like, man, you got the best thing. And the best thing I got oh, was yeah. like a... I think it was... It wasn't a Vindicate. It was like a Mortify or something. Which is not terrible. Like, for a 2-2 with the Mortify staple onto it, you'd probably pay 5 mana for that. For sure, yeah. Right? And, and you're somebody's losing their Mortify effect, which could hurt me. Every once get, in a while, yeah, though, you get like a Blatant Thievery. Yeah. Or an Insurrection. Or yes. even a Wrath of God. Yeah, even right? a Wrath of God you can even be. get that. So Mindclaw Shaman can... Definitely, if you pick the right player, if you kind of can judge, you know, uh, who's ran out their hand, who do you think has the biggest one thing left in their hand? Very good. You just got to play it smart, and it'll get you a lot of advantage. So I like that guy for sure. Yes. Um, Targeted removal, four. And this includes creatures that deal damage when they enter the battlefield, and it includes Comet Storm, because that is a target spell. Yes. If you have to use it. In right? a pinch, you could use it to kill a yeah. creature. And there's other ways to deal X damage, of course, in the deck, as we went over already. Yeah. Um, so you don't need Comet Storm to win, but it's definitely a removal spell. Okay, ramp spells. We've got a Mana Geyser. Give Mana Geyser a read, because I like that card, especially in uh, Mono Red decks. Mono Red decks, big game mono red decks is red red three mana geyser sorcery add red to your mana pool for each tapped land your opponents control yeah super sick doesn't sound good especially because it's five and you want your rituals to cost like one or two but this one can hypothetically net you and i've had situations this nets you like 30 mana yeah especially those big sometimes you play those big six person games and it's turn eight and there are people bombing all around and you're punishing them for it, and that's that's pretty cool. Moving on, mana rocks, dorks. We've got five of them. Now, we're going to look at the artifacts in the deck here real quick. I'm looking at Cage Sun, Extra Planar Lens. I'm looking at Gilded Lotus, Heart of Ramos. I'm thinking, okay, all of these cost like three, five, six. And I think that you can still be effective with your mana rocks at those five and six drop slots when you play things like Earthquake, where you might not want to play your X spell uh, until turn six or seven when you can make it the most effective, right? right. So your Cage Sun is going to give your red creatures plus one, plus one for six mana, and it's going to make your mountains tap for two, right? right? What do you think? I mean, you're playing it, so you you obviously like it. Extra Planar Lens, same thing. You exile a... Uh, a land when you cast it you imprint it on it and then imprinted land taps for double yes now ideally you want to use that with snow covered mountains but since i don't like to play non-foil not basics uh i only have mountains oh yeah and foil snow coveds are like lots hey yes but but that's very important with extra planar lens if you play snow covered basic because it it's the name, not the color or basic or, or basic type. land so type. Like if yeah. you imprint a snow-covered mountain on extra planar lens, snow-covered mountains tap for an extra red. Regular mountains do not. Yeah, that's an old school trick in the book. People have been doing that in Commander for a long time. That's actually, I think, why snow-covered lands are more expensive now. The foils, yes. I mean. Yes, that is one hundred percent the truth. But it, the thing that I find makes the more expensive mana rocks in the deck a little more effective is it's kind of the late game. You want to start playing your Earthquake for 10 and all that big stuff. But most of the Noran things, which we're going to get into in a bit here, um, are cheap. And they're they're recurring, recurrable, and they'll keep you alive until you can amp up and get to that. Well, three. 
well, I guess. Like, we've got a Sol Ring as well, so technically you could extra planar lens on turn two um, if you wanted to be ballsy. But, uh, or Heart of Ramos on turn two, I guess, too. Yeah. yeah. Heart of Ramos taps Oh, extra planar lens only costs three to cast? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. I thought it was four. Oh, no. Yeah, just just three. That's yeah. most excellent. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. Technically, it sets you back a land, especially if they remove it. That's a that's a bad time if somebody removes your yeah because you got to exile a land from your hand when you cast it right yeah so you're you're down no it's 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 a land you control so it's a land in play oh 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 so like you play your mountain tap it remove it with extra planar lands yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. extra planar lands you know what I like uh, is commander sphere it's one of any color by tapping or just sack it to draw a card. Yes. I think that that has a place in mono red decks because you can, when you don't need it anymore, like when you have Neheb, you can sacrifice a draw card. That's not bad. I actually. like that one. Yeah, and it gives you red, in. right? It doesn't give you colorless. Yes, it's I it's in one in a long line of um, pay three for one of any color with some extra effect. Yes. Uh, I think drawing a card for free is the best extra effect on any of those three drops. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah I like that one for bad. sure. Especially in Mono Red where that's a that's a problem. Yep, for sure. Now, let's get into the how to play slash lines of play because I think that you want to talk about Norn specifically because that's the current kind of setup that the deck is utilizing. Yeah, that's what the deck is. And to play Norn, we've talked about a couple of them, but for the most part, there are a few cards that are in your Norn list, and I'm going to talk about them as if you're curving out just right. Yeah. So turn one, you play your Norn because he costs one, and you're immediately sweet because you play your commander first. That's great. Turn two, you want to play a little ditty. It's a, what's it called? Enchantment called Impact Tremors, which costs red one. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, Impact Tremor deals one damage to each opponent. Yeah, it's like mini Perforos. Exactly. So Norn goes away, he comes back, everybody take one. Norn goes away, he comes back, everybody take one. Then you Earthquake for a bunch, they're lower than you, they die, you don't. So that's how yeah. that works. They're, they're lower from you by taking damage from Impact Tremors. Exactly. you don't take that damage. Correct. So in the future when you Earthquake for 50, like we talked about earlier, um, they die, you don't. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you've also got another Diddy at two, an artifact called Genesis Chamber. Genesis Chamber is two. For an artifact, obviously. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield, if Genesis Chamber is untapped, weird, <laughs> you get a 1-1 one, one mirror artifact creature token. So, Norn goes away, he comes back, you get a mirror. Norn goes away, he comes back, you get a mirror. Norn goes away, he comes back, you get a mirror. If you have an impact tremors, everybody's taking two damage now, too. Yep. So, very good. Um, following that, we mentioned him already. You also got Perforos. He's 1 red, 3 whenever a creature comes into play. Non-token creature comes, or just a creature comes into play. Creature comes into play. Everybody take two. Yeah. So it's double impact tremors. Uh, we've also got one of my uh, favorites. Uh, again, each opponent takes two. Yes, not you, which is very important. Yep. So if you've got impact tremors, Genesis Chamber, Perforos, every time Norn comes in, everybody takes six, except you. Yep. It's for doing nothing. That's just for, and, for doing and nothing. And you could use Perforos or at the same converted mana cost, I think you could use Panharmonicon as well, right? Yes. Because that's going to trigger impact tremors twice. Yes. Or if you're using all of them together, it just doubles yep. all of the things that we've been talking about. Yeah. It's very good. We also have Altar does, of the Brood. Oh, a, hold on. Does, does Panharmonicon trigger um, Genesis Chamber twice? Genesis Chamber triggers... If How does, it, how does Genesis Chamber trigger... Non-token creature entering the battlefield. Oh, so it would definitely trigger Panharmonicon twice, so you get two mirrors there too. Yep, so Norn would come in, you get two mirrors, 
all of those creatures coming into play would trigger Impact Tremors twice, would trigger Perforos twice. So yep. you'd get one Norin coming back in would equal nine damage to everybody but you. Yeah. In a magical Christmas land. Yeah. Uh, Panharmonicon is super good. And only $3 now. They used to be quite a bit, I think. But they're, Yeah, they're they, they, they spiked up because of Commander, and then they went back down. And now they're probably on the climb because it's the kind of thing that they don't just print. Yeah, right? it's it's a ridiculous card. It's crazy. If you're yeah. playing it with Titans or anything that has Enter the Battlefield triggers, it, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy card. Yep. Um, what else goes good with Norn? We've talked about already. Confusion in the ranks we talked about. And that's your basic... Norin the Wary package is just those little few cards, and if you you spread out your opening seven, you got a couple of land, you got one or two of those cards we just talked about. You've always got Norin. You've kind of got a little engine going where you can start whittling away people and doing some damage to them and stuff. While... Now, how about this? I've got a few things written down here. Um, when you say a little engine, I think nine damage a turn, albeit magical Christmas land, yeah. is a pretty good engine. Well, that's a hell of an engine. Right? That's nine yes. damage basically for free, just on triggers, right? You yeah. just have to remember your triggers. That's for playing something else. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's for like that's for I play Star of Extinction, wipe the board. <laughs> you can't keep referencing and, that. It doesn't even exist yet. Oh, but it's going to. So wipe the board and blow up your stupid land. End my turn. All y'all take nine. Yeah. That's what that is. So Th- that is excellent, and you could remove the magical Christmas land caveat if you added some of the artifact or red tutors. And yes. that does also play very nicely with absolute power level of Neheb versus Norin. If you're playing that Neheb in your deck and you want to find them, there's all kinds of things now. Right now, you're only playing Gamble. Right. And Gamble's good. Red, search for any card and then discard at random after you search, right? Right. Gamble's good. But there's also um, Hoarding Dragon, which when it enters the battlefield, you search for an artifact, exile it. When Hoarding Dragon dies, put the artifact into your hand. You could find your Panamonicon. You could find your Genesis, um, Genesis Chamber. Chamber. Even your Altar of the Brood that you mentioned. Yep. Stupid. <laughs> there's Kaldotha Forge Master. Sack three artifacts. Search for an artifact. Put it into play. There's Planar Portal, tap, pay six, search for any card. There's Ooh. Ring of Three Wishes, uh, comes with three wish counters. You can search for three cards. There's uh, Planar Bridge, tap six, uh, no, it's tap eight, and put a permanent right into play. All these cards that let you find your Neheb or your engine cards right off the bat. Now, the only thing about that is is we, we try to encourage less tutors because it is going to take away from the spiciness of our decks. Correct. It's going to give you that same game experience every single time. And the fun thing about, especially a deck like this, which is kind of a chaos-themed deck, um, you want it to be different every time. It's uh, It's purposely different every single time because it's chaos exactly it makes your opponent's hyper tuned deck specifically purposefully different every single time yeah where where you're switching control of permanence and giving them polymorph for their spells yeah like if if you think that this deck sounds oh this that sounds terrible why would i ever play that try watching somebody try and play storm combo with possibility storm (laughs) just watch that because it won't work how come you don't play knowledge pool What's Knowledge Pool, Ryan? Knowledge Pool is an artifact for six. It's got imprint. When Knowledge Pool enters a battlefield, each player exiles the top three cards of his or her library. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If the player does, he or she may cast another non-land card exiled with Knowledge Pool without paying 
the card's mana cost. So the knowledge pool starts with three cards for each player. You cast a spell, it goes into the pool, and you get something else. You cast something else, it goes into the pool, you get something else. So you never actually get what you cast. Hmm. You, you get something else that's already in the pool. I feel like when you're removing other players' stuff, I kind of feel like you let them still play their game. I suppose. Knowledge Pool is widely considered as a pretty dick card because you play it with uh, Teferi, the guy that only lets you cast things as sorceries. Right. Yeah, because uh, Knowledge Pool, you're casting a spell as Knowledge Pool is resolving, and Teferi doesn't let your opponents do that. So uh, essentially it locks them out, right? It's a mono-blue kind of instant win lockout combo. It's a piece of shit lockout combo. Let's be... You could play it in Norn. I could, but... Then it doesn't I, lock yeah. people out, but it does add to the chaosiness of the deck. Yeah. I kind of feel like too many people would get too much benefit out of that. I so. hate Knowledge Pool. Yeah, I'm not it a It was big, just a, yeah, just a suggestion. Yeah. I, I, and I accept <laughs> your suggestion. I'm not going to play it, though. But F that. Yeah, F that. We F haven't F'd anything this episode yet. No, we haven't. Uh, F oh, no. I think I F'd Joe, didn't I? Yep. F you, Joe. Yeah, because he had Let's that Crisali Pride Mage in that game I scooped in. Yep. God damn. F that guy. F you, Joe. Again. Yes, so that's bas- your basic Noran skeleton and your Neheb skeleton hidden underneath like a sweet dinosaur fossil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hey, is the deck fast? No. Not, uh, actually, it can I, be if I, you get that I, magical Christmas land, If you right? get a decent opening hand, because you see all these X spells, you're immediately thinking, oh, big mana, big blah, blah, blah. You don't need... Yeah, dub- doubling cube and yeah. all the rocks in the world, right? You don't need to play Earthquake for 40. You can Earthquake for 3 to, to oh, yeah. rock the board <laughs> so that you can keep dealing 2 to somebody over and over again. I actually have a note here, and it's in bold with a bunch of stars. How aggressively to run sweepers? It, like you, at, at 4 to, to kill whatever's hurting you currently? Or do you, exactly do you wait? That's exactly how you do it. You don't wait. You... As long as Noren is doing something and he comes back into play, you don't care what their guys are. Just you're getting get the incremental advantage, yep. right? The that's incremental the, damage it's... is what this deck. That's how this deck wins. I actually beat Joel, F you Joel, one on one last week when he was playing my um, Hirobi deck. Oh yeah, he was playing Hirobi and can't target Hirobi. Uh, you can't really kill Norn with Hirobi, can you? That's right. <laughs> you, not you can't get him. You can get him with the lands and stuff, but yeah. Just play something and you save him. Like it's yeah, play it's, an instant and you it's save a, him. Yeah, so it was a bit of a lopsided game there, but like both of the decks are a little bit. I don't know if you'd say slow, but I mean, three damage a turn really adds up. Yeah, there's especially a reason if why there's Lightning only Bolt is so good. One person left, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, it's, that's, it's that's... fast enough. It's not blindingly quick ever, but you can control the board enough to where it seems like it's going pretty quick. The Impact Tremor triggers can add up very, very quickly to a point where you have that earthquake and you've got a bunch of mana. It's like, so what's everybody at? And they're at some number, like 18. Because hmm. they've yeah, just yeah, been incrementally yeah. been losing life for the whole game. It's it's a lot better than it sounds. Like, you look at it and it doesn't seem all that good, but when somebody's just taking damage every turn and there's nothing they can do about it, in a five-player game, you're dealing 10 every yep. round. Okay. So it's pretty good. So if you're into that, I guess that's this is the deck for you, right? I got yeah. a couple more questions before we move on to the strengths, weaknesses, and budget. So um, the ability goad, give you goad a creature that means it has to attack next turn and it can't attack you. Is right. goad good in this deck? Goad is kind of chaosy, and goad uh, very much diverts attention. And I feel like the chaos, 
let's call chaos mechanic at large is kind of diverts attention from you forcibly. It makes everybody hate you because they want to play your stuff, play their stuff just like mill, but it makes it so they're at some kind of disadvantage because they don't actually know what's going to come next. Right. When you're talking about confusion in the ranks or uh, warp world or what have you. Right. Um, Is, is gold good? Does it fit into the chaos strategy? I don't hate gold. I don't have anything against gold. I just don't play it because in our group, I think that it you get to gold big time once. Yeah. Oh, have you seen Disrupt Decorum? The yes. new gold card from C17? It's very good. Yeah. I, I think that that card might go in this deck. That one might, yes. That yeah. one certainly might. But if you only can gold like one guy. Like Grenzo Havoc Razor, like Red Red Goblin uh, when he attacks gold or at your upkeep gold or something. See, I never do that with the uh, with the gold thing for Grenzo. I always use the remove the top card of the library from the game and then I get to play it. Uh, I always, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's I probably like that one. Yeah, I always do that instead of goading. But I mean, goad is good. It's just not for me. Yep. Yeah. If okay. you like to play goad in this deck, by all means, do it up. It's a fun deck. Okay. Um. Well, strengths and weaknesses. Let's get into this a little bit. What do you want to start with? Let's go with weaknesses. Weaknesses. Okay. I have. Um. If you want to play the Neheb. Jack, if it were, if right. it was a Jack in the Box, Neheb is the Jack. If you yep. want to play Neheb, it needs more ways to find him. Yes. Um, yes. Jack in the Box, traditional Jack in the Boxes that I've seen in the past, where you like the General Tazri example. Uh, maybe it's a bad example because Tazri finds allies and Zada's an ally. Right. But let's say you're playing five color and you want, it's actually a Nekuzar build. Sure. You need ways to find Nekuzar. Yes. Right, of course, black has ways to do it. It's great. Um, this deck with gamble and not a lot of card draw doesn't have ways to find Neheb. If you got to end the game, you need the forty-point earthquake. You need to find Neheb. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that's and there isn't a way of doing that, and that totally is like it's got a jack in the box, but it's very circumstantial at this point. Mm-hmm. So I guess those those tutors that I had mentioned earlier, Hordling Dragon, Kaldotha Forge Master, and then especially Planar Portal, Ring of Three Wishes, and Planar Bridge. Yes. All would be welcome includes. Maybe you'd have to tweak the mana rocks and mana base a little bit to give you that early mana because those cost like five, six, eight mana, right? They're they're big. They're big, yeah. So needs more ramp to not put you behind even more than mono red would normally be. That is true. Yeah. Um and I could just remedy that with rocks. Um I think you're getting away with it now with the deck because it's got so many low drop goblins. The yes. goblins go out there and they can kind of act as a buffer if somebody's getting ahead on damage or getting ahead on board with creatures and trying to attack you. You've got some guys that you can kind of put in front. Yes. Because Norrin can't block. No, he can't. Right? Yes. So And the and the X-Sweepers, you can't underestimate the power of a good three-mana Earthquake. Oh, speaking it, of X-Sweepers, there's one with buyback that goes infinite with Neheb, isn't there? Yes, it's called Fanning the Flames. Yeah, that's right. I got a note here to, to, to talk about that. Yeah. Um, it's in the mail. Uh, that's why it's not in the deck list. That's it's, It'll probably actually be in the final list by the time people actually listen to this episode. But as of the recording right now, Fanning the Flames is in the mail. So it's uh, red, red, X, sorcery, X to each creature? or X to target thing. X to target thing. Oh, yeah. that's better because you can target a player. And then exactly. buy it back. Yeah, and, and then it's got buy back for three. Then you always get your Neheb mana post-combat. Exactly. So you've got your aggravated assault Neheb combo we talked about. You do something so you can get at least, I guess, 10 mana, which sounds like a lot, but it's not that hard. 
and then you fan the flames, 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 and you just it gets bigger every time you do it, and eventually you just wipe everybody out. Yep. You can kill all their dudes too, like just yep, yeah. I like that. Yeah, just um, tell them I I win. That's what that is. Can you counter this? No, I <laughs> yeah, win. Yeah, that. Oh, how do you do it? Just trust me. It's like when when you take infinite turns. Do you, uh, do you win with infinite turns, dude? It's infinite turns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Infinite flames. You always win with infinite turns. Um, if you don't have Neheb, last weakness I'm going to touch on runs out of gas. Yes, it does. Fourteen sweepers, you'll still run out because you don't have any way to replace them, and you're just going to drag the game out. People who have card draw will eventually rebuild. Where you have. Only the ability to rebuild as fast as or as as good as how many turns you can take. Exactly. With your one per turn draw. Yeah, and that's how Noren works as well. Like his his advantage is very good, and I guess we can talk about that in strength. But it is a one a turn thing. It's every turn, every one's turn, but it's still you only get one thing at a turn, and you have to survive to the end of that turn to get Noren's ability to go off. Yep. Yeah. Um, strength can be very fast if tuned. Yes. Both yes. Noren or Neheb. Correct. Uh, talking about it as Noran, even the way it is now, it's fairly quick, again, if you have at least one engine piece in your opening hand. Yeah, one enter the battlefield type thing. Exactly. Uh, or um, Panharmonicon, even. Yes. As long as you can get something going with Noran early, because you'll always have Noran. Yeah. You will always have And he costs Noren. one, so even if he does manage to die, you play him again for three and then five. That's not very extravagant to that's not a whole bunch of mana to play for your commander. Exactly. I mean, the only way that he's ever going to be not available to you is if you're being an idiot with Pyrohemia, because Pyrohemia gets him because it's an activated ability. Oh, yeah. Or somebody plays... He uh, gets exiled, then you Pyrohemia a bunch, right? Exactly. When he's when he's exiled. Exactly. Yeah. Or somebody plays, um, what's that red enchantment? Red, red, two. Whenever a creature comes into play, it takes two. Uh, yeah, that one. Ether Flash. Yes. That also wrecks up Noren, but nobody plays that. I actually used to play it until I realized it was a non-bow non with my general. Oh. And I was like, wait, I'm bad. I'm taking this out. And I repla I actually did replace it with a mountain. Oh, yeah? Because I felt so bad. I just replaced it with a mountain. Oh, hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention this in my notes, but, uh, runs a very basic mana base. Yes. Um, it survived, because it is slower than a lot of decks, it is slower than a lot of, um tuned decks and a lot of the things that you can use to slow them down affect non-basics i.e. ruination and blood moon yep i tried to run fewer non-basics so that i got wrecked up a little bit less so you got a care keep yeah i got You've care got, keep it uh, makes uh kobolds of care keep for yep. two it's a also starts triggering noran things in the same way that noran does yep i've got a valakut molten's pinnacle because i'm playing a bunch of mountains and That's when I, you get five more more mountains. Whenever you play another mountain, it deals three damage to something. It correct. bolts something. Exactly. Yeah. So it just gives your mountain some utility. And then CCO Staple, Rogue's Passage. Why is that in there? Because sometimes you're just going to have to infinite attack step, attack with something. Oh, yeah. And the Rogue's Passage is going to get your whatever it is through. It'll get Neheb through. It'll get your, yeah, cause me, your shitty mirror token because you've got to attack 200 times the mirror token. The, uh, It'll the, get him in there. The passage makes him blockable until end of turn. Yep. And if you have 70 combat phases in the same turn, he's unblockable every single time. Exactly. Yep, I like so that. So that's what, that's what that in, that's in there for. And sometimes you just, you've got the combo going, but you've got nothing in your hand. Yeah. And all you got is attacking with a dude, and this just makes it so you can attack better yep, with that dude. For sure. So strengths, 
We'll keep moving on here. Aggressive, but not with creatures. So anti-creature decks can maybe have a hard time fighting this. Yeah, because you don't care about you. Your creatures are fodder. They're only there to come into play. That's all they're there for. They yeah. come into play, do something, and then the hell with them. You don't care. You're yes. going to sweep them away anyway. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, going to volcanic right. follow yeah. them. You're going to hour of devastation them. You're going to magma quake them. You're going to do all kinds of terrible things to them. You don't care about them. So things that are tuned to deal with creatures have a hard time dealing with a deck that doesn't doesn't really give a crap about creatures. creatures yeah. yeah, it doesn't give a crap about its creatures. Yeah. Now this is a funny one. Right after I said it was aggressive, it runs tons of sweepers to keep the board clear. Yep. This is a like this is a mono red control deck. It's yeah. it's very easily tippable on either side. Like it's it's very much walking the the line of. Is it a control deck, or do you want to tune it to be an aggro deck, or do you want to go all in on Neheb combo? Like, it's right at that kind of the tipping point in either direction where it's like, ooh, what do I want to do? Yeah, with only a few switches, it Hell, can go Hell, you way. could even, with that many tutors that are available in artifact colors, or red and artifact, you could make it a Voltron deck. Nah. Those other three things you said, yeah. Voltron, <laughs> nah. You could. You maybe could, but it'd be terrible. The the point is, I guess, is uh, when you're trying to test and tune this deck and it's a jack-in-the-box build, what direction you take it in. I mean, there's... Sky's the limit. Yes, it can do all sorts of things, and that's what makes it so much fun, I think, is because it can do a little bit of everything, and it's a control deck that is actually really aggressive, so if you want to try doing that control strategy, but you don't want to be a blue snob and have us make fun of you on the show all the time, yeah, you can totally play this one, and you can do all that control stuff... Except you're not a, a a piece of crap that we make fun of. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet, too. Which okay. is excellent. Very excellent. Let's move into um, the budget and potential cuts section here real quick. And we're going to push through because this is going to be a long one for you to edit. So um, currently, let's call it the, the goblin portion of the deck. There are um, five creatures and two enchantments. And yes. if you cut those for, I don't know, maybe more... Mana rocks, like we talked about, to get to those big earthquakes a little bit quicker. Uh, Pyromancer's goggles could go in. Yep. And uh, if you tap Pyromancer's goggles for a red and use it to cast instant or sorcery, you double it, right? Yes, you copy it. That's a good one. That's an excellent one. So you can earthquake for six twice. Yeah. Which is nice. Cryptolith fragment. When you tap it for a mana, it deals one damage to each opponent. Ooh, I like that. Or, or each opponent loses a life. I don't remember. Everybody... It has to be damage or it's no good. Well, I guess it's still pretty good. Uh, it works less good with Neheb if it's lose life, but it works better with Norin if. It I think it's in the damage. stock EDH rec list for Neheb, so it must be take damage. Okay. And oh, and you know what else too? It goes in Rakdos. Right there. We so go. yeah, it, sure. it's good. Um, Mindstone because it lets you draw a card, yep. just like uh, Commander Sphere I have in here. Hedron Archive because it lets, lets you draw, draw two cards, and uh, Mana Vault Doubling Cube. We talked about those for big mana that you don't really need, but if you're going to cut all your goblins, you could put that big mana in there and make the deck hella fast. Yes, you can yeah. go big mana, big thing. Big yes. mana, big fast. Yes. Big. Big. How many big, times big. are we going to say big? Uh, I think that's seven. Big number of times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now, what I wasn't sure about, and you answered the question near the start of the episode about the coin flipping, you're yep. phasing that out. Yeah, I phased it out. There's a couple of coin flip cards left. Uh, one of them we should talk about because you're going to have to clear it with your play group. I guess we never really talked about this before. Oh, uh, yeah, Goblin Bookie, Goblin I think, Goblin right? Bookie is an unglued card. Yep. Uh, and it's a 1-1 one, one for 1, red, tap, reflip any coin, re-roll any die. Now, he's going to stay in there 
because I've got a card that we're going to talk about later that it has flip coin flipping is a very important thing. Flip coin flipping. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Plus, uh, if you're playing plane chase like we talked about earlier and you whiff on the ro- oh! on the planer thing, F paying more, you can pay one red and re-roll the planer die. That's excellent. Very cool. So he's lots of fun, but again, you got to clear him with your play group because he is an unglued card. Somebody might get butt hurt about you playing. Yeah, butt hurts. Or, or you could get somebody who uh, paints cards to black border them. Hey, that'll then, work. Then they'll never know. I, if only I knew somebody that did that. Right? Um, okay, what, the, what about Kirk's Thumb? Is that in here? Yeah, Crook's Thumb is in there. That's, again, that's a uh, relic from when it was a coin-flipping deck. Um, and it works with two cards that are still in here, one of which, again, we'll talk about in a bit in a later section of the show. And one of them is actually surprisingly very good, called Impulsive Maneuvers. It's an enchantment for Red Red 2. Whenever a creature attacks, flip a coin. If you win the flip, the next time that creature would deal combat damage to that player, it deals double that instead. If you lose the flip the next time, it would deal damage. It doesn't do any. So that's a good way to protect yourself from dudes if they're attacking with a whole bunch of guys. You have a Krok's Thumb, you start flipping coins, and you can actually just negate the damage. You can fog a bunch of creatures out. Yeah, when when I first read it and looked at it, I was like, why don't you just play like Furnace of Wrath for the same converted mana cost in a mono red deck? But this negates damage towards you Yeah, and, since and you- can double damage... In, in very rare cases, are you ever going to try and win by attacking with yeah, guys? Yeah, that's a control card. Yeah, it's a control. Absolutely. It's, a, it's chaos as hell, but it's it controls things, and it can keep you alive forever, or it can kill you right away. Mm. Yes. It's very red. It's very, like very it. risky, but I do it. I dig it. Okay. A uh, couple other cuts here. You play an Avatar of Fury, which is a... F- Big big for two. If um, let's let's give it a read here. It's a six six for eight, and if an opponent has seven or more lands, Avatar Fury costs six less. So it's a flying fire breathing six six for two. Yes, late game. Right, and that's why he's here because yeah. he's a flying fire breathing six six for two. He's one of those good ones where if you have Naheb and you have infinite combat steps, he'll probably get you there. Um, also, he's good, and I have one. And I'm still waiting for, say, a Fanning the Flames. I'm still waiting for a couple of cards to come in. So he's kind of a placeholder until I can find something better. You know what I think is better is for the same converted mana cost printed on the card, Red Red 6, I like Avatar of Slaughter. Oh, sounds more red. Yeah, it does. 8-8 um, eight, eight for 8. All creatures have double strike and attack each turn if able. But I don't have any creatures. That's okay. But they can Everybody attack Everybody else's. Well, that's why you play your impulsive maneuvers. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems, this seems way riskier than me swinging for 12 in the air. No, uh, it's I red. Just... That's, that's, <laughs> it's red. Just play that's... Avatar Slaughter. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Okay. A um, couple others. Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker's in there, and he's red, 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 two. Tap and put a non-legendary token into play of yeah. target creature. Also a going to go bye-bye card right away. Um, he's just there for the off chance. I can clone an Inferno Titan or a Siege Gang Commander. Or you could switch him out for a little ditty called Hellkite Charger. Yep. Or you could switch him out for a little ditty called uh, Sword of Feast and Famine. And Both those good. will give you infinite mana with Neheb as well. Yes. Or infinite combat steps with Neheb as well. Yeah. Sorry, I said all that wrong. No, you need both of them to get Hellkite Charger will give you infinite combat, combat steps with um, Sword, Sword of Feast, Feast and Famine. Yes. Hellkite Charger will give you infinite combat phases with Neheb. Yes. Yep. 
Yes. Very good. Those are good things, and I might I might do that. As I long as you can that. untap. Ah, shit. Yeah, the untapping is the... The untapping is what Sword of Feast of Famine does. Hellkite Charger, Sword, and Feast of Famine. Find room for it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's good. some cuts it, that it's you can good, make. It's very good. I mean, Hellkite Charger on his own is kind of blasé in the deck, and sort of, so is Sword of Feast and Famine. And right well, now I can find Neheb and get value out of Neheb regardless. That's true. But finding a Sword of Feast and Famine is kind of like, well, what do I put it on? A that's right. You know, y- you know what though. Um, if you're playing Avatar of Fury for being a six-six flyer, um, Hellkite Charge is a five-five flyer. Doesn't have fire breathing, but still a five-five flyer for yeah. six. I think so. He still is. He's a he's, he's a serviceable body. Like he's a real card, right? Oh, definitely. He's definitely okay. Is it time for card, card of the of week? week? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I love that. That's my favorite effect. Kay. What do you got? It's your card. Okay, I referenced this card a few times talking about Croc's Thumb and all these other coin-flipping things. This is a relic from that, but it is probably the most Brando Brando removal card you will ever see. Check this out. Check this out. Sorcery for red, red, red. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, you gain one life, and target opponent loses one life, and you decide whether to flip again. If you lose the flip, you lose one life, and that opponent gains one life, and that player decides whether to flip the coin again. Double the life stakes with each flip. <laughs> and that card is called? Game of Chaos. Game of Chaos. Love it. And every time I play it, one of us is going to die. Yeah. So we, the, just, it's, it's hard to hear um, just reading it, but how does it work? I flip a coin, or in the case of... Ideally, you have Crocslam. You go Norin, Crocslam, Game of Chaos. So this is game three. Somebody's dying. Turn three. Turn three. Yeah. And you're going. Somebody's going to game two. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you red, red, red. You run it out. You flip a coin. You say, "Okay, me and Ryan, I'll flip a coin." Okay, I lost that flip. I have Crocslam. I'll flip again. Okay, I like that result better. You lose a life. I gain a life. And let's play again. So we flip it again. I win again. You lose two. I gain two. Let's do it again. Flip the coin. I win again. You lose four. I gain four. And you keep going. Yeah. Until somebody is dead. What, what if? What if I win? Well, then you. What? Okay, so you win the first. Three. Now we're playing for four life. I win. Yeah. I gain four. You lose four, which gained me all the life I lost and negated all the life you gained. Yeah. And then I choose if we play again. Correct. Now for eight this time. Now, if you're a coward, you could say no, I'm okay with that, or you could be a boss and keep playing. Could play for eight because I'm gonna play. You I'm can gonna play for playing. sixteen. Yeah, fifty-fifty chance of of. Me dying or you dying? Well, unless you have Crark's Thumb. Unless you have Crark's Thumb, <laughs> in which case then maybe you, you are a coward and you, you wince out, but maybe I'll lose twice in a row. Probably not. Maybe. Maybe I've got a Goblin Bookie too. Maybe I'll lose three times. Who knows? But the moral of the story is you don't be a wuss. Somebody dies. <laughs> Turn three. Game of chaos. When you're playing a grindy ass, super aggressive, red control deck, and you murder somebody on round three by flipping a coin. And your coin is huge, too. Yes, you could I, murder somebody with the coin. I actually bought a special coin for this deck when it had a more pronounced coin-flipping sub-theme, and it's a giant, like, 100th-year anniversary Chinese, like, penny. <laughs> it's worth, like, it's like a giant Chinese penny. It's like four inches across. It's like 18 pounds. Yeah, and it's got a, a dragon on one side and a house on the other side. It's really great. It comes in a special little carrying case. Most excellent. Really good. I like it a lot. Uh, Game of Chaos, $2.07 American monies. 
Yeah. So that's like fourteen dollars Canadian, but yeah. it's worth it. Worth every fourteen dollars. Yeah. It's it's worth it every time you play it because I mean even if somebody doesn't die, you'll lose. You'll usually have a lot of fun doing it, especially if there isn't a Crocs thumb or something. Yeah, when it's just me it. versus you. Yeah, and it's just how who's gonna blink first because it can get really ridiculous. And at the end of it, <laughs> somebody's gonna, gonna have blink like blink first and die. Exactly. <laughs> And somebody's going to end up with 80 life afterwards, too. Yeah. That's the key. Is you're also gaining some life in red. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, spicy calculator. We're going to forego the milk list, even though it's my favorite part, because the deck is still very much under construction. So um, in a week from now, and when Brando receives all the new cards that we just ordered, it's going to be totally different. So we're going to go straight into the spice calculator. Cool. My other favorite part. We should get a calculator sound effect for underneath that. Beep, boop, 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 boop. I like that. That kind of sounds like uh, Jeopardy. R2-D2? Uh, R2-D2. Yeah, F that guy. Yeah, he's a garbage can. Yeah. Sorry, Star Wars fans. Not sorry. <laughs> um, popularity. At the time of the show notes, 370 lists for uh, Noren. Not that many. Not that many. It's serviceable given that he's such a... Like, nobody looks at Noren and thinks, I'm going to build that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, there's nothing explicitly written on his card that makes you want to or makes you want to build him yeah and he's the <laughs> with that small number of lists he's also the seventh most popular yeah mono red right behind neheb that's funny yeah but neheb will go up yeah neheb is going to be very popular yeah neheb is powerful yes okay so 370 lists average converted mana cost 3.58 pretty much exactly where commander decks live yep Critical turn and optimal game size. We touched on the critical turn a little bit or how fast the deck is. We're saying turn five, this deck is going to roll. Yes. Right? If you're getting combo pieces, you're getting some stuff, you're going to yep. be rolling over people. And five is when you can drop your first big chaos card to protect that. Yeah. To take the to, to take the the um, threats away from yourself forcibly yes. and randomly. Yeah, now people can, st- or they're going to stop attacking you because you're going to start stealing their stuff. You're going to start changing their spells. You're going to sweep all their guys. You're going to do something and on turn five. I think too. that's the other important part is five is when you can cast your kind of big earthquake or an actual sweeper that kills things. Yes. Right? So that's kind of the turn where you can say, okay, whew, I can do my thing now. I can breathe now. Yep. So, uniqueness rating. So, this is number of cards in Brando's list that is different than the stock list on edhrec.com. 36 cards. So, when we look at Brando's Noren deck, in its current iteration, 36 cards in his deck are different than edhrec.com. Dang. That's lots. Go me. That's lots considering it's a monocolor deck, which you usually see uh, closer closer, right. and uh, Noren having that kind of cult chaos following yeah uh you have a lot of the cult chaos cards taken out of your list because you're phasing them out you're phasing out the coin flips yes all right so i think that that's good in that you have a uniqueness rating of 36 overall spice rating again one tutor uh, that's the gamble we talked about spiciness 56 excellent that's actually a pretty spicy list and part of it is um um, Neheb is partly responsible for that because you're playing that kind of 10, 10 or 12 card Neheb. Um, yeah, like kind of co-spine, like a deformed Siamese twin. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's kind yeah. of like a third arm yeah. and shoulder and head growing out of your back. Did you ever see Total Recall? Yeah. Remember Guado? Yeah. Little dude that's growing out of guy's stomach? Yeah, Unbuttons yeah, yeah. his shirt, there's Neheb. Yeah. Get him, Quaid. Yes. Except it's Noren instead of Quaid. <laughs> I awesome. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Now, just a point of interest, I did the math on if you did want to up the nehebness of the deck sure. and search him out with tutors. If you added an additional tutor, so two total, your spiciness would go from 56 to 45. Three tutors, you'd go down to 40.7. Four tutors, 37.9. It's going down and down and down, all the way up to a maximum of the six tutors, the five I included, plus the one you play, right. 34.6. Very bad. So you're almost cutting your spiciness in half by playing six tutors. Now the hell with that. Yeah. That's not how I roll. So it would make the deck very consistent. It would add power to the deck because you'd be able to find at will whatever you wanted. Six tutors means, like, first couple turns you're going to have one in your hand like most games. And a lot of those artifact tutors get around things like the chaos that we're playing because oh, yeah, you're you not could, playing you could them, leverage you're tutors. You, you, you put them into play. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Or you, you could, put them into your hand. Yeah, you, and can you can planar bridge something that you want into play through Grip of Chaos. Through oh, yeah. Possibility Storm. That would, through everything. That's even more powerful. That's super good. But you are, again, looking at a half as much spicy. That makes the deck less fun for everybody, I think. So I think I for everybody because it's the same that. shit for you every single game you play it, yep. and it does one thing to win. It just does it a lot better. Yeah. And if you guys want to do that, by all means, do that. But, you know, yeah. just know that you're going to have a less spicy list and everybody's going to look at it and go, oh, no, come on, the, the mono red control list again? Come on. Yeah. You're the worst. And there's probably more powerful ways to do mono red control than Norin. Absolutely there is, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So that's the list. Brando's final thoughts. What do you think? Brando's final thoughts. This is probably one of my favorite decks in the whole world that I own. Actually, typing the list out, I my fondness for it really kind of amped up again because I hadn't Ooh. played it for a long time because I'd put it away to to tweak it and tune it up. And I was like, okay, I'll wait until after I'm done tuning it. And I knew we were going to talk about it on the on the show. So I re-sleeved it and I put the list up on EDH rec and figured, or tapped out.net, CCO podcast. And... Uh, as I'm doing, like, man, I love this deck. And so now I'm playing it a lot more. And it's so much fun because, again, it, it's lots of variants. It affects the game state meaningfully every game. Um, and while some people do get mad and hate on it a little bit, it's not so powerful that it's oppressive and you immediately get just your head kicked in right away. So it lets you play the long game. It always lets you have something to do unless you've built up your board and then somebody destroys it. But for the most part, this deck is a lot of fun. And one of the other fun things about this is you can do a lot of good, you can control a lot of things, and win a lot of games for a deck that's under 300 bucks. Um, and if you look at my list, again, all of my non-base, all of my basics, sorry, are foil, because I don't play on foil basics. So you play non-foil basics, and you're cutting out, you know, 25 bucks off the cost of that, Again, some of the more expensive card perforos, they're all listed as foil on the list, so it ups the thing. So I bet you could build this whole deck for 250 bucks, which is great for a fairly tuned, lots of fun commander deck that has the staples for a bunch of other commander decks in it. Um, so yeah, I would suggest check it out. It's super fun. Bring the chaos home. Bring the CCO podcast feeling home with this deck. And do it all and let us know for the next episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song. Woo!